Wesley. Yeah, John. Dennis. Yeah. You have to get that done. I thought you left all that behind. Can you get it done, Leslie, today? Understood, John. Understood. Now, John, is it also understood that while I do plan to get the Denon deal done, I have been through a bad week. Physically, emotionally, chemically. I mean, son, since you shot me in the mug, I have been on some heavy mothers. Leslie, it's as critical as it gets. Can you straighten up and close it? I need you to focus on your piping, man. You wrote the book, Leslie. I did. Go, Sheldon. I'll go. Do my best. And I won't even do coke on the train. Cool. Yeah. It is cool. Traveling north, traveling north to find you. Train was beating the wind in my eyes. Well, hello and welcome to, I guess, as far as we know, what will be the final episode of Macmillan Men, the podcast about the Amazon Prime show Patriot. I'm Luke Burbank. Patriot enthusiast and uh, aspiring Macmillan man. And right over there is my friend, Andrew Walsh. Hey, buddy. Mary had a little lamb. Its fleece <laughs> was white as snow. Did I yeah. even get the, um, the the nursery rhyme right? Is that what the... I believe you did. Okay, good. So you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, you know, um, a couple things. So many things. I just want to start by saying I don't know if I have, an en- if I have enjoyed an hour of television as much as I enjoyed this final episode of season two, by the way, it is Escape from Paris, season two, episode eight. I don't know if I've enjoyed TV as much as I enjoyed this episode of this show. And I'm talking like some heavy mothers <laughs> talking The Wire. I'm talking Sopranos. I'm talking about all the everything that's up there in the sort of Mount Rushmore of good shows. I don't know. Maybe we'll find out from Conrad someday if they knew that the show was ending or not or what they thought was going on. This is a goddamned amazing episode of television, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> That's very Leslie-esque goddamned. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, you know, of course, we'll recap this. We'll go through it minute by minute. Um, but I would like to say, by focusing on the end here for a moment, having watched the second season before, but not remembering it well, um, in reality, this episode had a lot more finality baked into it than I remembered. Mm-hmm. I remember, of course, when it ended where it ended, the first time I watched it, just thinking, no, this can't be it. <laughs> like, this can't be it. Like, I just want to live in this world more. Again, I don't care about the mission. I just want to stay in this world. I want to stay mm-hmm. with these people. But I thought it ended in a slightly different place. And I forgot that it did have this incredibly painful moment of reflection at the end that does sort of signal that the showmakers might have known this might be indeed the last scene ever. In my head, they had left it so it had to continue to a season three. Watching it again, I feel like I really wish and hope there would be a season three, but this is still one hell of an ending. Is it weird to say I kind of am fine with it ending here Mm. and I love the show? obviously, but I I feel like I'm ready to switch over now to uh, Perpetual Grace Limited, uh, Stephen Conrad's other project, which is on Epics. Like, I love this show. I love this universe. I'm so gosh darn relieved for John's character that it's like I would have almost felt button and we're just jumping right to the end of the show, but let's just say I would have been bummed. I think some part of me would have been bummed if it's just like John gets in another pickle Mm-hmm. Season three, episode one. How is he going to do this? It's just, I don't know. I felt very satisfied. I thought it was handled so well. Everybody got to like be good at something this episode. Yeah, 
even time. You know, it was so, it, oh man, it was just so gratifying. It was just kind of like, this is a show that you spend so much time as the viewer kind of wincing because people are going through hard things and stuff is going unsaid that I'm wishing was said. There's so many times where the show is in a way, I don't want to say unsatisfying, but you know, that's what makes it a good, interesting show. They're not just, you know, ladling up some kind of, uh, you know, good feeling every episode. And then you're like, Oh, that was nice. Like the show really kind of makes you, makes you work for it. But man, when they pay it off, like in this episode, they really, they really pay it off. Um, speaking of, uh, Mary having a little lamb, uh, we open three months earlier when the national security director, I think that was the guy that was swimming in the canal, right? That Nan went and found. I believe so. Yes. And also that makes the phone call to say that, um, the threat has been, Eliminated, or the threat is no longer there because the person who stole the gun apparently was just a low-level, you know, hoodlum. Right. So he's having some sort of aphasia or something. Yeah. Uh, you know, what I noticed was he said croissant, which seemed out of context. Um, but then I looked it up, and I guess there's, I mean, I guess there's a definition of croissant in French besides just like what we think of as croissant or croissant. I didn't um, notice this. Did what you are you talking that? about? No, no, no. What are you talking about? Well, do you want to play the... Can you play the audio? Sure. Do you have that scene? He just is talking about, you know, security or whatever, and he just... He drops the word croissant, but I actually think it might be relevant in the... He's not talking about the, the, the pastry. I think he means expanding or something? Okay, let's take a listen here. So this will just all be in French. I can maybe try to read the, mm-hmm. the um, subtitles a little bit. Ces périodes où les menaces sont en constante augmentation doit être celle d'une coopération croissante entre les nations européennes. Maybe that was the word cooperation. I guess, but like, have you ever heard croissant used in any other context than the buttery thing that people eat? <laughs> no, the the subtitles on the screen during that exact moment is heightened cooperation among the European nations. So are you almost yeah. wondering if the aphasia is is there Starting a joke there? here on English only I don't know speakers? enough about French. I don't know enough about French. That just jumped out at me because I was like why did he say croissant because it's not it I didn't see it in the translation and then he goes into Mary had a little lamb. It's clear that he's just kind of, you know, having a a sort of a a moment there. Um and uh, so that's how things uh, start off. Um and then Leslie, we sort of cut with with very little fanfare to just Leslie placing John's teeth on the table mm. as he's pulling them, uh, which is pretty uh, upsetting to see. Although it is, again, this is the beginning of, of, of this show just really being satisfying to watch because Leslie says, uh, I had you down as a punk. Mm-hmm. I wonder what else I was wrong about. It's like Leslie has gone from thinking that John is just the biggest fuck up of all time to marveling at John's just utter toughness. And he's like, pull my teeth out. He's just like not even phased by it. Yes, and um, I struggled to make that tape work at the beginning because that scene is actually like a little bit over two minutes long and I had to get it a little bit shorter for our intro, which always makes me cringe knowing that potentially Conrad or somebody <laughs> who wrote those lines could be listening to this episode. I really hate doing internal edits on other people's writing like that, but um, there's a line that I cut out where he says, God, how the worm has turned. And that really is <laughs> what this scene is about, right? Now it's now it's um, John telling Leslie, I need, need you to straighten up, son, and focus on your piping. You wrote the book. Now I have a question about that. I was thinking that there might be some strategic element to that for John. Like I couldn't figure it out, but somehow, you know, McMillan – closing the Denon deal or getting the Denon deal back was going to help with his cover. It seems, I guess, like he just really didn't want McMillan to lose the deal, right? Is that why he's... Because he's like saying, we heard that in the intro tape, it's like, you know, it's of the utmost importance. Like, he really impresses upon Leslie that he needs to go fix this. But I guess it's just why, because John just doesn't want them to lose the account. That's really interesting, Luke, and I wonder if I was just missing a huge thing there. Because I saw that and thought, see, that's one of those... Loose ends where I think I had, I think it was implied why he needed to get it done for the mission, and that that might be what season three is. That you know John does end up with the money and in England after swimming across the channel or halfway and a little bit across the channel, 
Or actually, no, not quite. He doesn't make it halfway. Yeah, but anyway, um, but uh, to me, that was indicating that in season three, okay, they've got the money again, and now they've got transport and a reason to get into Iran again, right? Because we see that that moment outside oh, of sealing point. the deal. He says um, uh, Leslie is talking to the guy from the Denon account, and the Denon account mm-hmm. guy says, I think we can get you there in four days. So to me, that means that John can get to Iran with the money in four days. Oof. But thank God they canceled this show. <laughs> you can't handle you can't it. Hand, I emotionally ticker. can't handle John going to Iran. My, exactly. We need to get you a, a new Charlie dog to get you through season three. Seriously. Because, um, I, I, again, we're jumping around a bunch here, but um, I guess it is what it is. Uh, Leslie gives a look when the Denon guy says, you know, it'll be four days from now. Is it? Do you think? Did you read that to be Leslie is worried about staying sober? In Paris for four oh, days. Interesting. No, I took it again uh, into this kind of made-up fantasy season three scenario that I had going in my head, where Leslie was thinking to himself, "Ooh, is four days too much time? You know, does John need to get there sooner than that?" That's just how I interpreted oh. it in the moment. But that's a much that's more funny. thoughtful interpretation. Like. That it's more of an interpersonal thing. I also – can we go back to what your original theory yeah. was, which was maybe it wasn't about getting into Iran. Maybe it was just because – no. I love the idea that John was doing that hard-ass thing just to help Leslie get his life back together, a life that John helped I think destroy. That is a really sweet interpretation. I think that's what's happening um, because – I think even if Denon gets back into Iran, I think I think John's got a lot of uh, John's on a lot of radar um, right now. Like I, I think it it seems to me like it would be unlikely that he could continue doing his work. So I and I, I hadn't thought of it this way, but I think you're right. I think it is a way of John trying to put Leslie back on track as a human, and we see it happen. Of course, I swear to God, I was so close to crying so many times mm-hmm. during this episode. Not the least of which was when he's on the train and he's like, you know, just Leslie's Leslie's style of speaking is endlessly fascinating to me. And like when he's ordering the whiskey and then unordering the whiskey and then what does he say? It's just a little a splash, just a does little he say nothing. A splash or a or yeah. And then the person doesn't understand. He says it's nothing. It's just a little nothing. And then he's you know yeah. It's just like I mean it's so it's it's just. It's so nice to see Leslie starting to point his life back in the right direction. Yeah, and if um, it was, and if John was really, I mean, that's one thing about this episode. You mentioned we see everybody being at their best as far as competency is concerned. Mm-hmm. We'll get to the part where Tom finally gets to be competent for once in his damn life, <laughs> um, yeah. and, and Bernice just continuing to just kick ass. Um, but also. We haven't seen – we've seen John be very brave over these past several episodes, but he's so broken. I mean he's just physically mm-hmm. broken that there's so much um, so much angst and kind of um, blunt ruthlessness with his actions. And then mm-hmm. this episode, the fact that – and I know we're just all over the place, but I think that's okay. Um, the fact that we – that John had a feeling that Alice was going to dime on Tom and like he just that, – that this whole time – time john is playing three-dimensional chess or is it four-dimensional chess i actually don't even know what is the expression when you're talking about somebody who's printing chess from a 3d machine (laughs) okay gotcha and then playing it in one dimension which is bizarre Um, so it's just like a line right but um no but the fact that like we we are reminded that john has a super spy's brain and that he was thinking well 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 ahead um, is just really, yeah. really fascinating. He picks the hotel room because you can jump in a river, mm-hmm. and that, and that he just had a feeling that it was a what does he say? Pretty good possibility that Alice might turn that direction. Yeah. Um, one other thing that happens before the credits is you can tell that Tom is exceedingly proud of himself for calling off the mission. Like mm-hmm. he's so happy that he, and it's like funny because it's like one of those things. That to me, it was the obvious decision all along after a certain point, right? And yet it's sometimes decisions are weird, like the most obvious decision. And in fact, as we're recording this, of course, we're in the midst of this covid lockdown. And it's funny because I've been just for my various job things grappling so much with questions of like, do we cancel these shows and do we cancel these trips? And then once you do it, you're like, oh, of course, that was the only option. How did I ever think that that was that there was a hard decision? 
I feel like Tom's kind of there. He's like, he seems so relieved, and he's just he's just like you know, basically, I'm going to be in trouble. Okay, fine. Like, I'll be in trouble then. My son's not dead, and you can just see it on his face. And it's like, you know, I'm glad he came to that decision, but he definitely wants John to. I think give him some yeah. kind of attaboy for calling the mission off. Exactly, and and it's it's a taste. It's kind of the last taste of Despicable Tom, right? Um, <laughs> kind of like, come on, how are you being so self congratulatory in this moment? And us, the viewer, knowing that yes, he called it off, but from our perspective, he called it off a bit too late. You know, it was after five yeah. um, electrified fences and a dog yeah. attack and uh, another killing of. Is it safe to say an innocent? Either way, John had already gone through hell by the time he got the call. So you sort of think that that's what you're reading on on John's face here as he just solemnly takes in what his yeah. dad is saying and gives him no smile back and, and, and is pretty cold to his dad. And you're thinking that he's just feeling kind of what we're feeling, which is kind of another, another fuck you, Tom. Uh, but it turns out that John also has some insight. I don't think he knows for sure that a knock is about to happen at the door, but he just, I think his instincts are telling him that, um, you know, they're about to have to jump off a balcony again. Right. And then I was a little surprised that Tom actually does it. Yeah, me like, too. Me this too. is like, this is an episode where Tom does two things competently. Yeah. And then Ron pulls up, and Ron's kind of badass. Like, they gave Ron a makeover. He seems much less Mormon, with peace and love to our Mormon <laughs> listeners. Like, he had the—no, you know what? He Ron kind of had this vibe like Michael Douglas in the movie Falling Down. Mm-hmm. Kind of had this, like, short sleeve collared shirt with tie Those vibe. Glasses, he looked like he had him yeah. in a drawing from the far side. Yeah. Like a nerdy kid in the far side. Like— um, and yet he looks kind of suave. He pulls up in this car and I was like, who is that? Oh, that's Ron. Okay. Ron's got a glow up going every, I mean, he does sort of screw up the end with the hood, <laughs> the, the swimming hood, but, um, more on that when, when we get to it, I have, it's so funny. I have an actual fair amount of experience with people swimming in waters with jellyfish, not personal experience, but inter- I interviewed Diana Nyad, the journalist yeah, yeah. and distance swimmer, and half of her book about swimming from Cuba to the U.S. is about jellyfishes. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another, again, because I think we're just, I've just made peace with the fact that we're all over the place. One of the things that was so brilliant about this episode is James, a.k.a. Spike, mm-hmm. has not lost his mind that was one He's of those doing things a super intentional thing i told you awkwardly in the last uh, episode i said there are just certain things that you're saying that even with my terrible memory i know you're a little bit off on and it both <laughs> delighted me and drove me crazy at the same time when you said you know spike is out there and he's just clearly lost his mind and i'm like has he clearly lost his mind or is there did a you for let this? me ask you this Wait, the first time you saw it, did you also think he had lost his mind? Oh, hell no. <laughs> I'm not smart. No, I mean, I assume he, you know, no, I don't think that I necessarily thought that no, he wait. lost it. I, I said no. I thought right. you were going to ask me if I knew what was going to happen. And no, I did not know right. what was going to happen. Because don't you think that they're intentionally playing with us a little bit? Um, because it seems completely nuts that he's out there trying to ca- count jellyfish. And then it's so, it's it's so, because, you know, it's it's bigger than just, oh, this guy is... Is, has put himself back together, it means there's a chance John can put himself back together, right? Uh, to answer your question more properly, because I, I think I, I said no when I should have said yes or whatever. I wasn't didn't let you finish your question. Let me put it this way. When I saw him the first time I watched this season and he's out there on the beach, I don't think that I automatically assumed, oh, this guy has lost his mind. I just chalked it up to one more thing that I didn't know what the hell was going on, and I hoped it would pay off later because that's what this show did to me. And again, the first time I watched it, I was so confused. Like this, rewatching season two of this really, really helped me. Everything really does, I think, fit into place. Except for that question that Nan's dad had for her. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> go to my Rosebud, I believe, exactly. was the question. Yeah. But uh, no, I don't think I thought, oh man, this guy is nuts. I think I just oh. thought, like, what is going on? What is going on? See, I took it to be, as I said on the show, I took it to be like being in that box broke him. And because the wife says, or the girlfriend, whatever she is, you can't count all the jellyfish or something. And he's mm-hmm. just like, got his i think binoculars out he's really going for it and i took that to mean these guys are not okay they're not as okay as they thought they were from that box and then when you realize no he's just trying to figure out the jellyfish situation because he knows john's gonna swim across the friggin' english channel then you're just like 
in my mind, I was like, oh my god, he did get it back together, mm-hmm. and so can John. So I, I, I think I there was a lot of emotion around that realization for me, just because it it stands in for a lot. And I think that that's how you were supposed to feel. Um, and I, I think that you're probably. By believing what you believed there, you're probably more in line with what the uh, showmakers wanted you to feel in that moment. I can't remember exactly what I felt in that moment other than a general sense of confusion at that point. This is also an interesting episode. Well, it's interesting for so many reasons. But I think I just said last week, like, there are times where I'm almost like, I think because I like uh, Wallace Kandahar so much, he just seems like a sweet guy. I'm almost like rooting for him (laughs) or like... You know, like I'm like, who am I rooting for in this? This episode, I very much swung back to really rooting for John to get out of Paris. So it means I'm rooting against Aget mm-hmm. and Nan. Mm-hmm. And so they're always just kind of a step behind. And I, I but so, I mean, I guess my question to you is like, what is your how do you feel about a get in this episode? At one point during the episode, I had the same exact thought that I think you are articulating, which is I wondered, wait a second, should I be rooting against her? And, like, you do have that moment of a, it's a kind of a moral uh, quandary there. But then I decided, yes, I'm still rooting <laughs> for John. Like, I'm not rooting for anything bad to happen to her. We're not, you know, it's they don't set us up so that something really bad has to happen to them, their investigators, or Nan, right. Get, even the, um, the national security advisor. I'm not rooting against them. But, you know, if they don't catch John, all they'll have is regret and maybe a little egg on their face. It's not like a piano is going to fall on them if they don't catch John. And I'm still heartily in the John camp. Yeah. I've, I, by the way, was – again, one of the things that I, that I loved about this episode was there's just like was so much stuff that suddenly made sense. Now, something that was only raised at the end of the penultimate episode was why the F is he having his teeth pulled out? And then it's like, oh, facial recognition. Then the fingers – come together and you have this mm-hmm. moment i actually wrote when i realized that uh you know john had dennis's fingers i was like that's such a best friend move and then i realized oh that's exactly the point there's that whole conversation between nan and Aget that's just kind of totally confirming dennis's whole raison d'etre really is to be john's best friend and now he has done the ultimate best friend move by which i guess what we can take from that is did dennis kn- so dennis knew he was putting John's fingers on. Yeah, right? that's what I think we discover. That At first, I mean, the way it unfolds is interesting. During that scene when he's um, telling Ichabod, it's Ichabod on the, tr- yeah, he's telling yep. Ichabod that these aren't my fingers, they're John's. I read that at first as being him just sort of knowing it's a, is fait accompli the right uh-huh. word to use there? That yep. it's just like this sort of internal knowledge that he just knows in this moment, these aren't my fingers. I knew it all along. But then as the show goes on, you realize, oh, no, no, that was the plan. He agreed to this, to have John's fingers put on him. Yet even that, John still knows. There's an acknowledgement that even by using his fingers, that is still going to raise some red flags, but not as many red flags as if John used his own fingers, right? I guess it buys him it buys him just enough time to get through that port annex or whatever because the the bolo that's out on John Lakeman uh, or John Tavner is like he would just be immediately arrested with his fingerprints like if Dennis tried to go through something with John's fingerprints he would have just been immediately arrested so it takes there's just enough lag time of them being like we're looking for Dennis McLaren's fingers that that just buys him just enough time yeah is right. my impression and it seems like everybody um, and again I'm pretty sure that everybody's kind of aware of that everybody's sort of playing the same game right I mean it's impressive it's 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 impressive that Aget and Nan figure out that John would have well, – I mean Nan figures it out because she was there I guess mm-hmm. that that um, somebody else got their fingers shot off too. Like they did the math on that pretty quickly. I feel like that was in service of really bringing home this idea that Dennis has done the ultimate best friend move. Um, but also, yeah, they're pretty quick on that because I mean wh- when I realized that, I was like, oh, he's scot-free. He's done. Like he's – you know, he's, he's going to be fine. Um, but of course, John, like you said, having super spy brain, he already knows that that's just all that's done is given him a little bit of a head start. He still has this plan. He's going to have to swim the English Channel, which is just like a pretty amazing way for this show to end. Um, 
Can I mention one quick thing Another here? Because I think we're please. past it already, and there's just a quick scene. It's not super revealing, but we do hear, um, you know, John places a phone call to the police officer who is yep. Charlie's Glenn owner. Glenn Purdue. Yeah, Glenn. And um, I guess I just wanted to say, I guess I was wrong. When I was talking to you last week, I, I, I paused it on that scene. I was staring at it while I was talking to you, and it really looked like the dog was placed between two sets of tracks as if it wasn't in harm's way but clearly i was mistaken about that and i just didn't understand oh, really? the shot because um because you know when john says i knew charlie wasn't in danger because i knew you'd come that says more about john being confident in glenn's nature than the dog not really being on the tracks right that is a it's a it's a sweet scene because you know there's this moment where uh, is I it's John has a moment of of self awareness I guess right because he asks Glenn how are you doing and Glenn says pretty good mm-hmm. and John says that's my go to uh-huh. when you know when things are not pretty good um, and it's kind of nice for them to get to I mean it's I think John has always felt bad about how he treated Glenn with the noise horns and mm-hmm. stuff I think as a person who's I mean John's just done all this physicality to sort of cover the fact that he's emotionally really traumatized i think mm-hmm. and glenn's a guy who's taken a different route <laughs> the route of silence and therapeutic breathing and charlie um, but i think that john really identifies with glenn yeah yeah i think you're right now you had mentioned before um having to kind of hold back tears and you mentioned mm-hmm. maybe no more yeah. so than on the train and are you talking about i mean to me this is the most emotionally well, there's so many emotionally tough parts of this show, but certainly of the episode where it's the split screen. You got Alice on a train, I believe John in a car, I think. And John is reading the the letter that uh, Mina wrote to him saying you'd be a good dad and with a little mm-hmm. drawing of her with the sad man. And they do the the split screen of Alice, mm-hmm. John, and then their, what you could imagine be their would-be child in between them via the drawing. And that killed me. I mean, that just killed Mm -hmm. me, and that's the last we see of Alice. Like, we don't know. I mean, I'm hopeful in the imaginary season three in my head, um, but that's so tough because you that's – I don't know. That that triptych really brought everything together. Yeah, you know what? I didn't even think about that, but because she has dropped a dime on Tom, like, that could be – it's – my guess is that John would still side with her. Because he loves her, and I think he would ultimately realize that she was just trying to protect him. I don't know what what Tom's thing would be, like if Tom would um would ever forgive her. But it, but yeah, that's a massive, like that's a possibly that could be the end of of their relationship. I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, and I think you know, yeah, I mean, that's we have no idea. I think it's like in that shot, in that scene, and as this series wraps up. It's like fifty fifty, right? It's it's Schrodinger's <laughs> Schrodinger's relationship. Like you just have no, which isn't quite right in this case, but uh, it's just you could totally see a world where they overcome this as well, and maybe John does get to settle down because, like you say, he's a marked man now. Um, but also, I mean, can you come back from this? Can you come back? Can Alice come back from what she's endured? Yeah, um, that is a super intense scene. Yeah, there were like. Honestly, I was almost crying just at points that were not even, uh, like, obviously emotionally charged. There just were some beautiful shots. I mean, the shot when he goes into the water, mm-hmm. I don't know what sort of drone they used. or <laughs> That's exactly what I cherry, said these. Yep. Cherry picker they were in, but that is a fucking beautiful shot. Yes. And for some reason, it's just, there's just something about it that was so emotional for me to watch, mm-hmm. even though, you know. He's just going out in the water, but it just it just stood in for it sort of represented how kind of Sisyphean his everything has been for this guy from basically square one. Yeah. Um, But um, oh, uh, let's see. Um, Let me. Oh, oh, yeah. Uh, To watch Tom and how good Tom is at explaining why he's in France and what he's doing and where John is and like. Like we've already said this, but that was actually really fun. This I'm I was sort of pro Tom in this episode, which is a rare thing for me to say. But between calling off the mission, jumping in the canal, and then kind of did they must have separated at some point, and I lost track of that because I thought he and he and John were together, but obviously they weren't because they get Tom right. 
Yes, that's a good point. Like, I thought they were together. I just got the impression that John might have been just ahead of him a little bit, and they call out Tom's name. That was kind of just the general vibe I got, but I didn't dwell on it too much. But, yeah, I mean, in in a way, that's – I mean – Tom would have to be pretty bad to be like, uh, he's up there when they caught him. You know what I mean? <laughs> I wouldn't put it past him, but or faint. he had a mission and it was yeah faint. Right, that'd be more likely. But no, he doesn't do that. I mean, again, and you could you could say that that's sort of the ultimate. They don't go so far as to show Tom like giving himself up to protect John, but there's an element of that. You know, he oh, gets got. Yeah, I and almost that buys wonder, John sometimes. You know what? You're right. I'll bet you they did split up on purpose. Again, like it really seems like, and I'm willing to totally go with this. It really seems like John, especially, but let's say John and his team, including Tom, are one step ahead of the investigators who are on their heels. And so it seems very logical to me that John would say, they're going to come after you. They're coming after you. We know this. Like, he knows that now. Right. He got the tears from Alice, which told everything. Mm -hmm. And so now he knows what the game is. So it would make a lot of sense for him in a scene we didn't see to say, we need to split up. They're coming after you. Um, You mentioned Bernice already, but, like, goddamn, Deborah Winger. damn. That scene is so badass. You know, she comes and, like, and and I, it, it's funny because it didn't it didn't have the effect I was expecting it to have, which is why this show is great, because she comes in and she's the friggin secretary of transportation. I mean, mm-hmm. she's a cabinet member like that. She should probably just be able to like squash a get and nan like a like bugs based on, you know, her position in the United States government. And not to mention that John's pretty high or sorry, Tom's pretty high up as well. Um, and she walks in and she the, the speech that she gives about cool about cool rick being 50 50 is so funny that could have also <laughs> yes. been good intro oh, that would have been great I, tape, lo- yeah. I love i love how she just kind of describes it and you know she's she's sort of playing i guess you could say good cop or she's playing kind of nice like oh we're here for our son's wedding and this one's kind of a loose cannon and to be honest who we don't even know if he's going to actually show up and then she just shifts into so motherfucking let us go here's who i am i'm the big dog and then a get is completely uncowed by this, um, which I thought was interesting. Do you want to hear some of this tape? I think it's pretty good. Yes, Let's take a I listen do. to it. I mean, I'm full on in love with Bernice at this point. My name is Bernice Tabner. I'm Secretary of Transportation for the United States of America. I'm in Paris with my family, which includes my former husband, to attend our son's wedding for that purpose only. And I have catering to arrange and a good number of other pressing tasks. We didn't expect this to happen. This son is... We didn't think he was going to get married. Ever, I guess, honestly. And then all of a sudden... So I need him. I need him to make sure that my son actually shows up for this thing. Because it's like 50-50. Because <laughs> this son is a little... He's a little drifty in regard to doing the right thing all the time. So I guess what I'm asking is, who the fuck are you? Oh, shit. It's so good. Oh, man. Also, there is a moment, though, where your heart stops when um, a get says, call the church. Right. I think that's Mm -hmm. it. And then there's this look between Bernice and Tom where Tom is clearly looking up at her and saying, like, are we covered here? Or at least that's how I took that look. See, I actually figured I mean, this is when we're like, uh, you know, Genevieve, your partner, I think, coined this phrase competency porn. Mm -hmm. Like this like I, I'm in full on competency porn mode with Tom so I'm assuming he's already made the reservations like I'm assuming every part of this from a kind of spy craft as long as you don't have to actually punch anyone or do anything <laughs> yeah. hard physically yeah. all of the like little details like that I actually felt pretty confident and also there is the matter of him actually getting married <laughs> that is a thing that's actually happening yeah no that is true but this is a show where Mm-hmm. Everything always gets screwed up because somebody misses a detail. Like that's the whole thing: the hood, the chair, the just everything is about screwing up the small details that make everything um, impossible. And so you could see in this moment, like they're putting on this this good face, but then I don't know. There's just a look between the two of them that just mm-hmm. made put a chill through me. Uh, a thing that I thought was kind of interesting too is I think it's a get keeps saying. 
you know, he's going to go to England because it's the short, it's the safest place. That's the shortest distance. It's real structural dynamics of flow talk mm-hmm, that now yes. a get is laying out there, and, and it comes up a few times. That's how she's very confident that that's where he's going. Yes, exactly. And I loved, um, you know, when I saw, I don't know anything about, hmm, let's just say the world, generally speaking. But when I saw that they were in the port of Calais, I got to say, all of my reading of Philip Gregory <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, Wolf Hall and what have you, that really uh, rang out to me because I don't know much about that area, but I did always know that Calais was like the one uh, little piece of sovereign English property. That was surrounded by France back in the 1500s. Oh. So when I saw that there were the, and I don't even know that I'm saying Calais, right? It could be Calais. I don't know. Uh, but when I saw that they were there, I'm like, oh, they they're close to England, right? I know that that buoy is just so. It's like, I mean, this, it's a it's it becomes this sort of intense thing, which which um, which I want to talk about when we get to the the actual swim. But um, uh, I thought that the use of train song. Yes, I'm glad you that was that another up. time that where I basically list. wanted to start crying. Yeah, like it was just it felt it just felt like an old friend, you know. Mm-hmm. And and it's so genius. It's it's a really good because like I think a lot of filmmakers. I'm going to just say that's what they're doing with this show. Would say, well, that was the intro song. That's the theme song to the first season. Like, why are you now playing it here? But it just fit perfectly. Yeah, absolutely. And again, almost I mean, like he knew that scene was going to happen and then went back and made it the theme song <laughs> for the whole first season to set that scene up. It made me when I heard that song come in and I thought, oh, freaking brilliant. And then I thought, yeah, maybe we were a little slow on the uptake to even realize the significance of trains. You know, we were halfway through mm-hmm. this season when we said, you know, there's something special about the train. The The train is the magical place where all the coincidences happen and the deus ex machina happens and people run into people coincidentally and a train would be the hardest place for two, you know, like a train that comes through every 15 minutes would be a hard place for everybody to meet up, but there is something magical about it. And then, yeah, you're like, oh, train song is here again it's all about the train mm-hmm. yeah um another thing that was just an a sort of an echo of a, a obviously the jellyfish concept is is it, what, is that a real thing like was that a thing that it predated and pre-existed this show or is that another one of these that conrad is that feels conradian <laughs> it's part of the con the conradian canon yeah um because you have you have um tom basically kind of unintentionally referring to it we tried to make one detective go away and and and, yeah. and now we have two yeah like they jellyfished a get into a get and non yeah and nan yep and again and this is i mean we're talking about those characters who aren't even part of our beloved gang but like now in my head now that the show is over i'm going back and trying to think what's the last we heard from birdbath like what's the what was the last oh. scene where we got to see dennis i guess that would have been on the I train i choose to believe he met a beautiful french woman on that lost day and just was like deuces yeah and there's so many i mean the reason i'm bringing this up is you mentioned a get and nan and of course i was rooting against them in this or certainly for john but like if you told me hey do you want to watch a show called the further adventures of nan and a get i would say i am here for that i would still like to know what's going on with that tattoo on her back and they're just mm-hmm. great characters i mean just even as as cops there's great cops i would watch yeah. that in a second and then you start to un- un- go backwards and you just think oh, what was the I just started thinking, well, what was the last time I saw uh, Edward? Well, I guess the last we see of Edward is when he's getting married. But you just wish, and there's a reason why you don't go corny. I mean, I understand why the show didn't do this. But it just as the viewer who I just feel like I've grafted onto this universe so much, I'm just like, I, it's really hard to come to grips with the fact that I'm not going to see any more conversations between Edward and Dennis. Like, that's life for me, you know? I got to watch season yes. one again. Um but by the way, uh, this is just a dumb question, which I should have looked up because I'm, I just didn't get it. But uh, why does Dennis have the cut on his hand again? He says it happened last night. Um, uh, uh, wait, not oh, Dennis. You mean? I'm sorry, Edward. Uh, Edward. Edward. Yes. I think it was when he used the bike to hit the lady. Oh, okay, just that. Okay, so it wasn't something specific. But I, that's the only thing hand. I could come okay. up with. Or no, I didn't remember a specific scene of like a bottle breaking or whatever. I just assumed it was. Uh, it was it was sort of uh, the result of the of of him being part of of John's taking on the the the, the compound. It's so specific, though. Yeah, 
Anyway. Yeah, it's probably does refer to something that we're just not okay. Yeah, <laughs> we weren't noticing. Um, it's so. I'm just going to sound like a broken record, but it's also just so satisfying when Leslie walks in to that piping yeah. conference or whatever, and just sort of like. Gently brushes the Denon guy aside. I mean, that's the client, which you love to see. Like, just, again, competency porn abounding. Like, Leslie, you know, what does he say? What's what's the name of that company? Um, uh, uh, Denon? The Denon Ophui. account? No, no, but the, the other company, Galvanize. Oh, which, yeah, by the way, right, yeah. Greatest name ever for a kind of just, like, made-up piping company because mm-hmm. it's just, like, so nonspecific. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like... Galvanized. Yeah, I started that company when I was 22 or whatever. It's just mm-hmm. like he's just this is, you know, this is this is Leslie absolutely in his element, clean and sober and it's just like it's so it, it makes you so happy to see it. And shows his depth because like he's the one who set the stage for us the viewer and clearly for this universe with his with his piping talk. I mean, he as is said in the show, he wrote the book on this stuff. And so all of the techno babble, which is the through line to certainly season 1 and you could argue the whole series, and then he's smart enough to know that now I need to go beyond techno babble. Everybody's doing the techno babble that I that I came up with now, I don't speak from right. the brain. I speak from the heart, which is just like yep. a god move. I mean, that's just so, so power. great. So, such such a power move. Like, and 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 again, yeah. Like, if John tried to pull that move, if um, Lawrence Lacroix tried to pull that move, it would be because they don't know how to talk about patch hamplers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but not when, not when Leslie Claret, the man with the woman's name, not when Leslie Claret is doing it. When he when he decides to just talk about getting you home, which of course is being intercut with John trying to get home, which is also just kind of like a really cool moment. Um, when he says that, it's because he is choosing actively to not throw down jargon because Lord knows the guy knows the jargon. Right. Um, I thought it was interesting how upset Edward is at the idea that he helped John kill someone mm-hmm. at the wedding because I'm like, I guess I was just surprised that that was that that like, what did he think was happening? People were not playing patty cake like. You know, like this is serious stuff that goes on. I, that's that surprised me a little bit. Yeah, his naivete is fully on display there, and we've been seeing that throughout season two, right? And he remember he gets really hung up, and he's trying to get to specifics from John. Did you kill somebody, or are you going to kill somebody? I believe mm-hmm. earlier this season, or maybe end of season one. He's really um, he's really upset with that, and I also think that it might be a kind of a self. I don't know delusion. I think he's maybe tried to blind mm-hmm. himself to it a little bit. He really does not want to believe that this is what his brother does. I mean, again, it'd be really satisfying and fan service to be able to see those two brothers together again. Yeah. So, uh, so John, you know, gets through the various checkpoints thanks to his uh, t- tooth-pulling, puffy face, ridiculous grin. I wonder if that would really work, by the way. I don't plan on committing any crimes that have me eluding an international dragnet. But I wonder if that actually, if that would, I mean, it seems like it would have to work, right? I mean, his face just looked, I don't know how, what software would ever connect the face he was making with those lack of teeth with a normal day, uh, you know, John, uh, John Lakner. Well, I'll, um, I'll, I'll pull your teeth for you. Is now a good time? You know, Andrew, I honestly, before you suggested that, before you you offered to do that, I uh, I really thought you were a punk. Um, <laughs> you know, um, I will say about the teeth pulling scene too. I mean, there's so much. This is a word. I believe it was last episode. I really stalled out looking for a word as far as the way the show treats John's body, and I believe the word I was looking for was masochism. I mean, it's mm. you know, it's just like the the bo- literally his body in this season, particularly from the hole in his foot to the fingers off his hand to all of these things it's just like how much can we destroy his body in fact i thought it was somewhat uh generous of the showmakers to not have his face too um stung up by jellyfish in the final scene or maybe yeah. it is I, I don't know i remember him his neck so is a little up. stung but it's not it's not yeah, as bad I was as expecting it could have been just 
be totally ridiculous. Yeah, and the teeth pulling is definitely a part of that, too. It's just kind of like, how much can we physically show? And, of course, the whole thing, though, is everything that's happening to his body is is what's happening inside. You know, it's like a physical representation of how broken he is inside. Although you almost think that he's more broken inside. Yeah, we already talked about that shot of him of kind of what I wrote down in my notes. He's swimming the fucking English Channel. And then I wrote, this is some Diana Nyad shit, mm-hmm. uh, which is which that's a savvy observation, I would like to point out. <laughs> well, um, it's it's uh, I'm glad he has the I'm glad he has the wetsuit, at least like I'm glad he has some kind mm-hmm. of um, protection from the jellyfish. But I also just love it's just it's so genius how this all gets brought back around. I would have in a million years, I would have not predicted that he was literally going to have to deal with jellyfish mm-hmm. as part of his jellyfish problem. Like it's so – it's just very satisfying to see everything kind of come back around to some sort of theme like that. It's just, and those shots are so beautiful oh, and yet so, but so full of danger, right? The 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 art, like the whatever series art for this season is, you know, John floating in his suit in a water with a bunch of um, jellyfish around him. Uh, but when you get those shots after he's already been swimming for a while and you see some of the, the jellyfish underwater, so beautiful, but representing so much danger mm-hmm. and pain. And then there's another overhead shot uh, of him in the water and you just see the tiny little, they look like sparkles of the water at first. And then you realize that they're mm-hmm. actually hundreds and hundreds of jellyfish. And it's like so beautiful and dangerous at the same time. Yeah, there's that James, the James, a.k.a. Spike, says, these things stop ships. Yeah. <laughs> Which I don't even know how that would work. Maybe they get caught up in the in the propeller if there's enough of them, even though they're, you know, gelatinous. Maybe it's – but I was like, you know, it's just like, oh, my God, how's he going to do this? And then great use of that John Prine song, which I I love John Prine, but I didn't know that song by John Prine. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's the perfect song because it's – I mean – I actually am now blanking on the exact lyrics, but I remember thinking this very much describes what is it? What's the what's the we're going to play it, I guess, to go out. Right. The chorus is pretty good, you know, pretty good. Right. Well, I guess, of course, that's, you know, that's that's things being, you know, I get. Well, I'm I guess I'm thinking more like double great (laughs) is different than pretty good. But like, I don't know. Somehow that song just works perfectly in uh, in just the like I already used this term, but the sort of Sisyphean nature of John's existence (laughs) in the show. Like, of course, he's out there. Trying to swim the English Channel in the middle of jellyfish while dragging eleven million euros behind mm-hmm. him, like of course that's what's happening to him. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a just it's just and that's just a beautiful scene. And then I also felt like I'm I'm probably over reading into things, but like you know the rule I think is supposed to be he has to get into British waters. Like he's not supposed to be they're not supposed to go pick him up on the French side because that's a you know that's an international incident. Like they don't have. You know, James does not have clearance to go into French water and pick him up. And yet here it is. He's not all the way there. And someone kind of I feel like somebody goes halfway and then a step to John. Mm-hmm. It's like the first it's, it, that I can remember, it's like the first time that somebody has basically in a way sort of saved John or been. Like, and that conversation is really funny because James is you're still in France. And John says, yeah, but can you pick me up? Because uh, this sucks. Yeah, <laughs> I know that was uncharacteristic for the rest of the show, which again makes me think that they knew this was going to be the final episode ever, um, because mm-hmm. it kind of broke the. It was a. It was such a relief for once for something not just to yes. break John's way, but for somebody to go out of their way to purposely yes. help John, like you said, and and for John to catch a break, an intentional break, because it's like. You know, if if this were a different episode of the show, the expectation would be the boat has a problem and John just gets to the buoy and it's just like, just keeps swimming. And he just swims the second half because that's just how John's character is, right? He just always – everyone else usually is just kind of phoning it in and screwing it up. And then he always just has to just keep jumping off of buildings and landing on his head and passing out for 17 minutes and swimming the English Channel. He has to just keep doing this stuff. So it is very relieving – to actually have somebody help him out and cut him a break, like you said. And then that final scene, um, you know, it's like I have this whole John, you know, John Lakeman smile alert. Mm-hmm. Anytime that uh, that you see him smile, I was always very excited. I actually found it so comforting that he cried. Mm. Like I found 
like that was that was worth a hundred smiles to me because mm-hmm. it felt like he hasn't been able to let himself have an emotional reaction, mm-hmm. be it sadness or happiness. He has not been able for now. It's actually a fairly compressed amount of time, but for a, a long time, let's go back to like what he's being tortured in a box with American Pie. He has not been able to let himself cry. And him crying to me meant a lot because it meant that he actually feels like safe enough that he can allow his emotions to actually happen. Yeah, that's a nice way of putting it. Of course, just on a, <laughs> on a on a viewer level for me, though, it's just it's also just like it just guts you so much to see mm-hmm. um, him break. It reminded me a little bit. I don't even know if this is accurate, but I'll tell you what I was thinking at the time, which is um, it reminded me of The Graduate a little bit. Like it's okay. kind of a ha- you you know the the famous ending of The Graduate, right? Like they're able to get together. Yeah. Just uh, Justin Dustin Kaufman yeah. is able. Dustin Hoffman is able to um, stop the Dustin wedding. Kidman. <laughs> Dustin Kidman. Everybody listen to TVTL. It's our hit favorite <laughs> podcast. Thank you. Um, but, uh, and it's kind of ostensibly a happy ending. They get on the bus. They're successful in their, in their uh, uh, I guess, love together, and they're going to start a life together. Mm-hmm. Then they sit on the bus, and then slowly, slowly, as the camera stays on them, the smiles kind of go away. And just all the reality of where they are now and what comes next seeps into their faces. And they end up not crying, but just more kind of stone-faced and, and uh, vacant. And I think about that scene a lot. I think it's a you know pretty classic movie scene. And there was a, a touch of that in this, too, because you're happy. I mean, like, somebody helped him out. He's on a boat. He's in England. Like, he's safe. John is more safe right now than he is since we saw him uh, fall yeah. off of that bull in episode one, right? The mechanical bull. Right. And um, and so it's kind of a happy ending, but then just stay – camera stays on his face. Camera stays on his face. And it's like there's so – there's so much more to this story and so much more to what's going to happen next, and it's not going to be smiles. And also, genius decision to have no music at the end, right? I mean, this is a show that's got such great musical choices, and you know Conrad is a musician. He's in that band and uh, and plays music for the other show they do, Perpetual Grace Limited. Um, but a very, very... I think great decision to just go out totally like cold, like no music. Yeah, it's really arresting, and it's just such a powerful ending. You know where I thought it was going to end because my memory is bad, and the reason why I thought <laughs> this season ended on such a cliffhanger was I thought it ended with him floating in the water, staring at the buoy, and us not mm. seeing the boat. I thought that I totally forgot that he does get on the boat. And so that's wow. where I, so I was kind of relieved <laughs> watching it mm-hmm. a second time to, to see that he did. Oh yes, he does get on the boat and he does get away. But I actually think, I think I was emotionally impacted by uh, this the second time around even more so, because again, I think I understood things better. I was much more, mm. I was much more of a uh, vigilant viewer this time around. And, uh, that ending just really stuck with me. I watched this last night, and I just, man, got a little drunk afterwards. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. I watched it this morning, and I don't know if it was because I was still kind of groggy, but it was. Emo- I, it was emotional, man. And then yeah. it's also just because it's the last episode. But again, it just there's so much. Final episodes again. Like if only we knew the creator of the show, and we could ask him. Oh wait, we could. But it's like final episodes are so fraught. I already mentioned at the top of the show, you know, the Sopranos and like, you know, don't stop believing and they're in the diner and what happened. And and uh, I don't even remember how the wire ends. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But like there's so much pressure to wrap one of these things up. And it's I think it's so hard to really hit the tone right. And for me, this really did. And I was really happy to see, like I said, everybody. I mean, think about it. Edward gets married. Um, what do you think about season three? John and a get hookup. Ooh, team up. I mean, hookup. I mean, <laughs> hot and heavy. This is not that kind of show. Okay, so you're clearly into the um, fanfic slash fic uh, phase of your personal fandom. weblog. Yes. Where I, um, uh, Nan, 
Aget and John are in a thruple. They're ethically <laughs> non-monogamous. It's a whole thing. No. I mean, I'm actually um, cosplaying as a get right now. So, have you? Did you know that I've been doing that during all these shows? I'm cosplaying as Mina, which is getting me some looks. Yeah, I you. believe from it. the pets and some weird, letters uh, from the authorities. Yeah. We still never know really if there was a story behind a get's tattoo. Speaking of. It, oh, yeah. People had said, you know, that kind of hints at a darker past as we were trying to figure out mm-hmm. what's going on with her and the money. Turns out her taking the money actually was all part of a um, a, a bigger plan, and she didn't actually kind of switch allegiances or have um, a change of heart as far as <laughs> which side of the law she wanted to be on. But, you know, and again, I'm not trying to say if some, a, t- a character has a tattoo, they must be bad or have a dark place. Obviously, a lot of people have tattoos, but it was a very specific shot that made you think that they wanted you to assume that she might have a more complicated past. And, we, and then again, we get a bit of that when we see that she um, is a child in a school that is for bad kids. You, I mean, I do just wonder if they would have gotten a third season, how you do it, because it can't just be John goes on a mission and gets his ass kicked for eight episodes, you know. Oh, by the way, that was a funny line when, when, what does he say to Ron? Something about, is this weird? And Ron says, not any more weird than carrying a guy around in your <laughs> yeah, backpack. Right, yeah, yeah, there were some <laughs> great lines. And that's the thing I mentioned after uh, the, the penultimate episode, um, that that episode was so dark, and I don't think there was, there was like one part where you kind of smile wryly as the viewer in the very last scene. Um, but aside from that, there were very few laughs. This episode did bring some humor back and some, and some moments where mm-hmm. you kind of like you punch the air in celebration a little bit. Yeah, I mean, just to kind of finish this roundup, like I said, you know, Edward, Edward is now married and and going to get out of being a congressman, uh, get out of the Congress game, ideally. And there's that sweet look from his now wife, mm-hmm. um, so you can kind of see that their their relationship seems to be blossoming. Leslie's back on the straight and narrow. He's got the Denon deal done. He's very much in control of McMillan. I guess, although. <laughs> I guess McMillan is back on as a company because Lawrence had almost completely ruined it. That's true. Um, yeah. I guess I guess it was. But that was because this Iran thing, he had not actually closed the Denon deal. That was the issue. Yeah, it seemed like a lot was riding on that uh, when they talked about the, the company. It was collapsing. That's right, because a lot of the workers and we, the viewers, thought that they were actually working on the Denon deal. And then it becomes clear. It's kind of a revelation that actually they're secretly still trying to land the deal. I think I've got that right. right. Um, yeah. But yeah, they seem to be kind of back in business. This is a big win. I still, um, I, if I'm Leslie's son, I can't say mm. that I'm giving him another chance, though. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame I would not blame his son for being highly suspicious about his dad. I mean, so that's 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 a as they say in Juno, that's 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 one diddle that can't be undoodled. Uh, potentially, <laughs> I don't remember that line. But. I think Rain Wilson's character says that <laughs> to Juno when she uh, comes out as pregnant. Um, but then you also got like you know Dennis. Okay, Dennis. The downside, he's down a couple fingers. The upside. He is an internationally recognized best friend. Yeah. So you kind of feel <laughs> like true. he's sort of accomplished his goal. Uh, Julian, uh, well, that's his name in real life. Um, Ichabod has spread a little bit more of his non-sexual cuddling out to the world. You figure he may offer that to Dennis on the flight home. You kind of get that vibe. I wouldn't you know, hate it. I, I know I said this earlier to get in your uh, slash fic territory again. I, I wouldn't <laughs> hate it if Ichabod and Bernice... Ended up maybe as a happy couple. Sure. Not that everybody has to couple up, but. Um, I'm trying to think who who else who else has a kind of their, their I guess you could say their plot arc sort of. Birdbath is, is TBD, but, you know, Glenn Perdue has gotten Charlie back. And, uh, and, and so presumably he'll go back to his life. Maybe those Milwaukee cops uh, will get promotions and or be put back out there because you know certainly the the cop who is using the prosthetic he's being interviewed by you know authorities and and he's i think seen as competent for going over there and getting at least close to him so maybe their fortunes have changed a little bit too it really does raise the question of what um is going on with all those deposition tapes (laughs) we'll never really find out what the investigation is and how much trouble tom and the gang are in right and that's like one of those things where 
this was my what I was screaming the whole show was like, OK, if Tom goes and gets in trouble, well, one, he is trying to do the business of the U.S. government. So I feel like they're not going to put him in jail, you know, throw him in jail and, lock, and throw away the key. I feel like he's going to be in sort of white collar trouble. He's going to have to go to some depositions. He may be reprimanded. He may even have to do a little jail time at a like, you know, minimum security prison or something. But like this is an uh, this is an acceptable kind of trouble to be in so much better than the kind of trouble John is in on a consistent basis that even though I'm a little bummed for Tom, I'm like uh, he'll be OK in my mind. Yeah, it does. Um, it is interesting to see how wide the investigation got. Now, obviously, the the deposition tapes are a vehicle, a, a way, a tool that the filmmakers are using to advance the story and tell the story so I, I appreciate that but to take it on its face value or a more literal uh, level as far as the plot is concerned it, it's really interesting to think about okay who is investigating and what does this investigation mm-hmm. look like because look at all the people who show up like we never see we never see Bernice like the Secretary of Transportation getting investigated but we do see at least two Milwaukee cops being interviewed right. we see um, mm-hmm. Ichabod uh, why did you think oh, that was right. a nickname? We saw Ichabod getting um, interviewed. Of course, Tom. I think I'm leaving some people out. Uh, does Birdbath – do we ever see Birdbath being interviewed? Maybe not. I don't remember that. I don't think so. And also, I mean, honestly, there are like there are real, real questions if he ever comes back from Europe. <laughs> Whether Tom you know does? No, Bird, Birdbath. Oh, Birdbath. Like, oh, right. Yeah. We never see Birdbath – because you just mentioned do we see Birdbath yeah, ever. Yeah. In the interviews, yeah, I, I'm, I'm again. I'm just guessing he stayed in Europe somewhere. Yeah, why not? Uh, we that also don't know what lose. happened to Stephen. That's one of the little thing, which is like, you know, poor Stephen. Mm-hmm. Like that guy's been borderline murdered by John. He might have been <laughs> murdered. We never have closure on that, do we? Because he gets thrown in right, front of the it, truck the second time. We don't even know if he survived. That. Right. Leslie seems to roll with that, though. He's talking that's about true. it. He's like, yeah, the thing with Stephen. Like, it's like he's just acting as like, boy, that's a lot on your plate. It's like, yeah, murdering a dude. When he, does he say you pa- took you took out me and Stephen? <laughs> Isn't that how he puts it? Maybe or something like that. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to think of. I, I wish I had something profound to say at, at the end of all this. I don't. Um, but I will just say that, like, I thoroughly enjoyed the experience of watching this show. I am very excited to now tuck in to Perpetual Grace Limited. Uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not committing that we're going to do a podcast about that show, but I will say that I am, I watched a couple episodes and was loving it. And then I had to stop myself because there are so many characters that overlap. I just didn't want to get super confused. Um, but, uh, but, but I guess that's just going to be the next, uh, you know, that'll be the, the next thing that I do. Um, in fact, maybe even today, since we're all under quarantine at this point, you know, I, I again, you're going to hate me for saying this. And I have not seen any episodes of that. I wanted to get through this a second time and, again, kind of avoid confusion. Any new listeners we have now see how muddled my brain can get. But um, I would say that if we end up wanting to do a recap of that, we could easily, I think, put that in this feed. I don't think we'd have to create a new oh, feed right. for it because Macmillan Men is generic enough, but it's still kind of like an acknowledgement that we're in that universe. So I would not be against that if you'd like to talk about that. And I'd also, as far as Macmillan Men is concerned and Patriot is concerned, I would still like to see if we can get an opportunity to sit down with Stephen Conrad and maybe oh, yeah. some of the other creators and actors and see if we can uh, do at least one more show uh, based on Patriot with some people who can answer some of these questions. Yeah, no, that's definitely some version of that's going to happen, even if it's just by phone. But if we can get it together, I mean, again, the world is such a absolutely uh, unpredictable place as we record this. Um, uh, you know, <laughs> a week ago or two weeks ago would have been like, yeah, we got to go down to L.A. and get Conrad and Birdbath and the whole gang together and we'll we'll do a fun thing at, uh, you know, a, a theater space. And now it's like. Will we ever meet in public again? Yeah, but anyway, right. um, I do think that we should uh, – we will definitely do at least one more episode of this, and it will be something where we involve Stephen Conrad and, and some of the other folks who are related to the show. Um, I will say this quickly about Perpetual Grace Limited, and I think I'm only maybe three episodes in. There is a scene involving Ben Kingsley's character, Andrew, that I think about probably two times a day. Wow. <laughs> it – is something and I don't want to give anything away. You'll know it when you see it. That's all I can say. 
Here's there, it is. Yep. <laughs> um, going back to Patriot for one second, I did want to say this as kind of a closing thought. That feeling that I had watching um, the final moments of the series the first time I watched it and just sitting there at my kitchen table, I was watching the last episode on my iPad and I was in my kitchen table after some travels and then it just ends there and with John on the boat or in my memory, John in the water. Uh, I sure. thought I I can't be done. I can't I can't say goodbye to this world yet. So I did the first thing that uh, I tend to do in those situations, which is I went on iTunes and I said, "Okay, where's the Patriot podcast?" Because I just need to listen to some other nerds talk about this because <laughs> I'm not ready to jump out of this world yet. And so I, it, you know, I hope that I know we have a pretty small audience for this particular show. I know this show itself had a pretty small audience, relatively speaking. Yeah. So. Um, I do hope that if anybody's listening who didn't know about us from TBTL just kind of stumbled on this and going forward, like maybe potentially years from now, people watching it and just being like, I'm not ready for this to be done. Did anybody record a podcast about it? I hope they land on this show. Yeah, I remember being so just like blown away by this program, which I mentioned this at some point in one of the earlier episodes, but I think the way I found out about it was... And a just errant comment by Dan Harmon on Twitter, which shows you that I am not living my best life if I'm waiting for errant comments from mm-hmm. Dan Harmon to help instruct me of how to live my life. I love Dan Harmon, by the way. I'm a fan and sort of quasi-acquaintance, I guess. But um, for whatever reason, I just said, okay. I clicked on it. You know, I had happened to have Amazon Prime. And then I kind of did the same thing. I was like... Where's the Patriot community? Mm-hmm. Like, where's the community for this show? Where, Where's the Reddit page? Where are the people who – where are the hashtags? Like, this must be a thing. It was so good. I was like, I can't be in a list on a list of, of under 10,000 people who know about this show. Yeah. And felt like after doing some digging, I, I kind of was. Um, and there wasn't a podcast about it. And uh, so we did one. And um, – I don't know if we're going to get a third season of this podcast, but I'm sure hoping. I don't feel like I wrap things up very well. Your arc and my arc are still often who knows where. We need to wrap this thing up. We need to put a bow on it. And for people who listen to uh, Too Beautiful to Live, our other podcast, they know that, uh, yeah, we've just left so much on the table. Uh, There's just so Mm -hmm. much more to explore in our relationship because we haven't done thousands upon thousands of shows together yet. Well, I guess uh, you point out wisely that we are going to do one more episode around this show at some point. So I guess I can take the pressure off myself to, like, wrap this up in some incredibly profound way. I'll ha- I will just transfer that pressure to the final show that we do <laughs> when we're actually sitting likely in the presence of the creator of this program, which will not probably make my anxiety lower. But I am going to kick that can down the road and just say... Uh, thanks for listening. Andrew, thanks for liking the show. You know, sometimes you, like, recommend something too highly to someone, and then it feels like <laughs> pressure to them yeah. to like it. And then, I mean, it was such a rewarding experience after you'd watched some episodes, you and Genevieve, to be like, we love this show, too. I was like, yes. Yes. So um, I'm still out there for trying. being part of this, man. I'm still out there trying to convince other people, too. Give it a shot. Give it a shot. Yeah. You're going to love it. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, We'll see you whenever we get the next episode together. Um, But until then, stay safe, wash your hands, and remember to keep it double great. That'd be cool. I met a girl from Venus. Her insides were lined in gold. But she did what she did. Said, how was it, kid? She was politely told. Pretty good. Not bad. I can't. But actually, everything is just about the same Moonlight makes me dizzy Sunlight makes me plain Your light is the sweetest thing